Hey, hey. That was an incredibly well done feature song. Um, praise God. Hey, we are kicking off a, a marriage series, and I always say this at the beginning of marriage series, and I'll probably repeat it. If you're single or you're divorced, you do not want to check out from this series. You never know what God has in store for you, and the truth is we are one family, one body, and we all need to understand what God's Word says about marriage. Amen? And let me tell you what, you are in for a treat today. Uh, Pastors Clayton and Shari King are with us, and uh, they've said to me several times this weekend, and it is so true, you can sense it. We sensed it all weekend at the conference. There is just a kindred spirit. When you go to churches, or when people go to churches, or when I go to churches, you kind of know right away whether it, there's a kindred spirit, and you fit there, and uh, they have felt the same thing that New Hopers have felt all weekend long, and that is they, they belong here. God has brought them here for such a time as this, and I got this. Uh, sneaky feeling that it won't be the last time you see them. Let me tell you about them. Even though Shari is not teaching today, she taught this weekend, and I'm going to have her back to teach. Um, she's incredibly gifted. So I'm going to read the bio because it includes both of them. And uh, let me just tell you about these guys. Clayton and Shari were married in 1999 and are the co-founders of Crossed Roads Summer Camps, Crossroads Marriage Conference, and Clayton King Ministries. She hosts a successful podcast called Overcoming Monday. Overcoming Monday. Shari, I need some of that. I'm just saying. But you might want to just take out your phones right now and check that out. Overcoming Mondays. Travels to churches and colleges, teaching and preaching on numerous topics. She's written five books and also leads study tours to Israel and Greece and Turkey. Clayton is an evangelist, been a traveling evangelist since he was like a kid, if you will, and is a teaching pastor at New Spring Church in some, uh, South Carolina. He's written 12 books, and together with his wife, they won the Young Adult Book of the Year Award in 2015 for the True Love Project. They have two teenage sons and together have traveled into 50 countries. They love being outside Indian food, strong coffee, glory to God, and good movies. They are a delightful couple. So to all of our campuses, I'm talking about Kenya campus, Columbia campus, Sanford campus, Garner campus, Wake Forest campus, Hillsboro, and Durham, you guys are in for a treat today. You are going to know it right away. Do what you always do. Give some honor and welcome Pastor Clayton King to the New Hope stage. What's up, New Hope Church? Let's go. I've heard about this. I've heard about you people. You better not let me down. You, have, you are legendary about how you respond to a preacher. Now, I am part Baptist, part Presbyterian, and part Pentecostal. That's jacked up right there, isn't it? I told him at the marriage conference I was raised Southern Baptist. My parents were Southern Baptist. I went to a Presbyterian Christian school, and my grandfather was Pentecostal holiness. So you know what that means, right? I was predestined to speak in tongues while eating fried chicken and drinking wine at an elders meeting. Come on, somebody! Man, we're gonna have a blast. I hope you are ready for the next two and a half hours because I am gonna, I'm going in. 
Hey, I want to greet all our campuses today. When I, uh, You're a multi-site church. Our church at New Spring is also multi-site. One of my best friends, one of our other pastors today, Dan Leanne, is preaching while I'm here with my lovely bride. But I specifically want to greet our Kenya campus. If you're in Kenya right now, I want you to know I lived in Kenya in 1993. That was a long time ago, the 1900s. But I lived... <laughs> in Kakamega and Kisumu. So I want to say, Marembe, mono, 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 jambo, jambo, sana, umzungu, umgufu, sana. You don't know what that means. That means the white man is strong and hungry. And they taught me that in Kenya. So I, I greeted, in the first service, I greeted the Kenya campus in, uh, in, uh, in your language, in Swahili. And I was at the book table in the lobby afterwards signing books with my wife. And this brother walks up to me, this big, strong, handsome, big beard, masculine, African-American man. And he says, Jambo Mzungu. And he's from Kisumu, where I lived in Kenya. What a small world. God's so good. I'm just having a great time. I'm gonna high-five myself because I'm having a blast. I love this church. I love all of you. I love my bride. I want you guys to say hello to my lovely wife. She's on the front row right here. This is my wife, Shari. And um, my dream girl, uh, we celebrated a really special weekend this weekend. Not only did we get to be with you here at your EXO Marriage Conference, we got to teach together, but yesterday was the 23rd anniversary of the time I met Shari. I met her 23 years ago yesterday on the campus at UNC Chapel Hill in Carmichael Gymnasium. I was, uh, I was preaching that night, and there were about 3,500 college students in the room. I saw her, did not even know who she was, but I said, Jesus, I want that one. <laughs> and God's favor ain't fair, because he gave her to me. And I'm like, yeah, she's all mine. So we celebrated our 23rd anniversary of meeting each other uh, at Chapel Hill by going to a Duke basketball game last night. And let me just say, as a, I'm an athlete, you could probably tell, you know, so uh, I was back in the 1900s, but as, a, as, a, as an athlete, I love basketball. I'm a lifelong Clemson Tiger fan. So I just gotta tell you two things. I'm an equal opportunity offender. I know we got Duke fans and Carolina fans in here. I met my wife at Chapel Hill, so I love Carolina. I went to Cameron Indoor Stadium last night, and if you hate Duke and you go to a game there, you're converted. That place is awesome. <laughs> Holy cow, they squeeze 9,000 people into a men's bathroom. That's basically what it feels like. And it's like this the whole entire time. But uh, my Clemson Tigers, who are known to be a powerhouse football program, are the only team that beat both Carolina and Duke this year. I'm just gonna say, I'm just gonna say, don't hate me. Don't hate me. Hey, if you have your Bibles today, we're gonna be looking in Genesis. The scriptures will be up on the screens. Uh, we'll be looking in Genesis and a few other places as we start off our EXO Marriage series. When Pastor Benji asked me if I would uh, preach today, I was honored to do it because I love preaching the gospel, but I also love teaching on marriage. It's something that my wife and I are very passionate about, and um, someone asked me backstage, how long have you known Pastor Benji? I said, since Friday. I met Pastor Benji on Friday, but I've heard about Pastor Benji and Amy Lynn for years. Well, one of my best friends is Derwin Gray, um, and he has been here to preach before, and he told me about Benji. J.D. Greer, who's also a pastor here in town, one of my best friends, having lunch with him and his wife today. We've been friends for 25 years, and he raves about New Hope Church 
But I didn't know until I got here the connection that Benji and I really have. We immediately connected. Um, I didn't know he was from Sumter, South Carolina. I am from Fountain Inn, South Carolina, but I'm adopted. So I didn't know anything about my biological family until this past year. So about seven or eight months ago, I found out that my mother who gave birth to me, she put me up for adoption immediately after I was born. Um, she was not married to my father when she got pregnant with me, but my father was a guy named Frankie Martin. Frankie Martin was from Sumter, South Carolina. Frankie Martin owned, until he died, Martin's Appliances and Gravestones. So I guess he was an entrepreneur. <laughs> um, my sister, Paige, is a hairdresser in Sumter, and my brother, Clint, owns Martin's Appliances and Gravestones in Sumter. I didn't know any of these people existed until just a few months ago. So when I met Pastor Benji and found out he was from Sumter, I'm like, you my people. I, you're my, you are my people. So I am so thankful that you have pastors like Amy Lynn and Benji that lead you and serve you. And I just want you to know, I want to be Pastor Benji's BFF. I wanna hang out with him forever. I love that man. So it's an honor for me to get to preach for you today. Well, we're gonna talk a little bit about marriage. And I need to quote a movie here that only the anointed people will know when I say marriage. <laughs> marriage is what brings us together today. Love. Twoo, love. Raise your hand if you know that reference. The Princess Bride. And the best part of that movie is Andre the Giant is in that movie. Now, what some of y'all don't know is I'm the world's greatest expert on professional wrestling. And don't you dare tell me it's fake. No, it's not. It's not fake. It's choreographed. It's choreographed. Woo! Okay, let's get busy. I got a sermon to preach here. Pastor Benji just showed up and I felt the anointing come in with him. So I'm, I'm fired up now, I'm ready to go. We're gonna be looking at some scripture today and we're also gonna be answering some questions about God's plan for marriage. So let me just start off by telling you, I believe that marriage was God's idea and it was a good idea. But I also wanna let you know from the outset that marriage itself is not the ultimate goal of life. It's not the end all, it's not the apex of human experience. Some people will be married, a majority of Americans will be married in their lifetime, but there's also a large number of, of people in America that will never be married. And the Bible talks about both. Marriage is a gift from God, but singleness is also a gift from God. So if you're single and you've never been married, or if you've been married and you lost a spouse, or if you've been married and you've gone through a divorce and you're single again, we just want you to know this series is for everyone. This is for you as well. And we'll talk about that a little bit today. My wife and I have been married for almost 21 years, and I always wanted to be married as a kid because my parents who adopted me had a great marriage. It was a tough marriage. They fought, they struggled. There were times I thought they were gonna get divorced. There were times I thought they were gonna come to blows, but they made it work. And so I grew up hoping that one day, believing that one day God would allow me the privilege to be married and the honor to be a husband to a wife. And I just want you to know that 34 years in ministry for me, 34 years in ministry, I will be a success if I can die knowing I was faithful to my wife and faithful to my God. There is no other achievement in ministry 
that will make me successful if I fail my family. There is no success for me apart from being faithful to my calling to be a good husband to my wife and a faithful dad to my children. So I wanna just ask a few questions, answer a few questions, make a few statements as we begin our message today. I wanna talk about God's desire for marriage. I wanna answer the question, why? Why should you even get married? Why is it even a good idea? Why do we talk about it? Why are you having an entire series on marriage? It really goes to a deep place when we understand God had a desire for the human race. God had a plan for the human race. God's desire is spelled out to us from the very beginning of the Bible. God has a why behind your marriage. I read an article recently. They've done some research. Millennials, among millennials, 44% of American millennials say, and that's anyone uh, that has, I believe the age would be 32 and younger. So 44% of that age demographic now says that marriage is obsolete, that marriage doesn't matter anymore, that marriage is an outdated, archaic, medieval institution whose day has come and now the day has gone. But I wanna let you know God is not a millennial. He's not Gen X, he's not a baby boomer. God stands outside of time and says, I have a desire for the human race. I want some things for you. And I'm gonna go on record and say, I believe that our God is a good God. I believe our God only has good things for us. I believe God wants you to be blessed. I believe God wants you to experience joy. I believe God wants you to be connected to people in meaningful relationships. I believe the devil is a killer. The devil is a liar. The devil is a thief. The devil is a deceiver, the devil is a destroyer. God loves your marriage, wants your marriage to be blossoming with joy and hope and peace and all kinds of good things. Satan hates your marriage and wants to rip it apart, okay? So let's make sure you understand that from the very beginning, God had a desire for you and for me in marriage and we find it in Genesis chapter one, verses 26 and following. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Now I wanna pause right here for a moment and point out the plural words our and our twice and the word us once. God is one God, but God exists in three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. There is no hierarchy in the Trinity. There is mutual love, admiration, mutual worship, mutual submission. And if you study the Trinity in the Bible, you will find it mentioned first. You'll find the Trinity exposed to us first in the very first chapter of the Bible. God exists in community among himself. And when God decided to make human beings, he decided to make us image bearers. The church fathers called this the imago Dei. That simply is Latin for the image of God. So in your marriage, when you get frustrated with your husband because he is still not loading the dishwasher the way you taught him to load it. In your marriage, when you're frustrated with your wife because you wanted to go eat barbecue and she wanted a kale salad. Not that that ever happens to me every other day. Um, 
I'm just kidding. I eat kale sometimes too because I want to live a long and healthy life, right? When you get frustrated with that spouse, when you're arguing with them, when you're angry with them, when you're aggravated with them, I want you to remember when you look across the table at your spouse or you look across the bed at your spouse or you look across from the steering wheel to the passenger seat and you are uh, tempted to raise your voice or you're tempted to lash out or you're tempted to use your tongue as a weapon to say something to inflict pain upon them, you are never arguing with a mere mortal your spouse is an image bearer of God, just like you are. Your spouse looks like God, reflects God's glory. And so if we value the God-like image in our spouse, we tend to treat them a little bit differently. We tend to have a little more patience with them, especially when things get tough. So God also had something for us to do. He said, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God had a desire. He wants us to reflect his image to the world. He wants us to rule over his creation. And I specifically love ruling over livestock. Now, I know that some of you have adopted, because it's still early in the year, a plant-based diet. Some of you are vegetarian. Some of you are vegan. I love that, because the more celery you eat, the more of your meat I get. Now, I, I love vegetables, and I eat a lot of them, but I have dominion over livestock. I'm just going to point that out, and I'm going to eat that steak to the glory of God and feel the presence of God surround me while, oh, man. The next verse says, so God created man in his own image, the imago Dei, the image of God. Did you know that, that African-Americans reflect the image of God, that pasty pale white people like me reflect the image of God? Did you know that Latinos reflect the image of God, Asian-Americans reflect the image of God? Did you know that legal immigrants and illegal immigrants reflect, reflect the image of God? Did you know that? I'm gonna say it. And that's not a political statement, that's a kingdom statement. We reflect God's image. Gay people, straight people, bi people, we reflect God's image. We are sometimes poor reflections, but we reflect it. We are sometimes incomplete reflections, but we reflect it. And the problem that we have, the challenge that we have, the struggle that we have is that our flesh is broken and fallen and we are sinful, but God is perfect and God wants to reflect his image through us and marriage is one of those ways. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. So God had a desire, man and woman married, male and female complementing each other, completing each other, connecting with each other for a purpose. This was God's desire. And when he made male and female, he wanted them to accomplish some things. God blessed them, and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, and subdue it. Don't skip over this. Please don't miss the point that God blessed their marriage. God wants to bless your marriage. God wants you to enjoy each other. God wants you to make memories together. My wife and I love making memories. We've been all over the world. Man, we just went to Uganda six weeks ago. We stood in Nelson Mandela Stadium on New Year's Eve. My wife was the first woman to ever preach in that stadium. 
to 130,000 people on New Year's Eve, the largest gathering of Christians in the world on New Year's Eve. I was able to preach after her. We saw 30,000 people respond to the gospel and be saved in one <laughs> gathering. My marriage is blessed. My marriage is blessed. And you know what? You and your husband, you and your wife, you may have ripped each other's hair out today getting ready to come to church. But you know what? You showed up. You showed up at one of our campuses. You got here today. We don't always feel blessed, but if you will remember that God's hand of blessing is on your marriage because it's his idea. He created it. You will walk in victory. You will walk in blessing. You will walk in favor when you know that when you feel the blessing leave, the blessing's not gone. Satan's just trying to distract you from the blessing God put on your marriage. Now, God said a couple of things. Be fruitful. Okay, let's just be honest. That's talking about sex. Can I say that in this church? Well, it's too late because we said it a lot this weekend at the marriage conference. We talked about it a lot. And I'm just gonna tell you, one of, one of my seminary professors said this. He said, if God ever created anything better than sex between a man and a wife, he must have saved it for himself. That's all I'm gonna say. I'm gonna keep it PG and I'm just gonna move right on down the line. Y'all cool with that? Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky and every creature that crawls on the earth. Do you notice that God's not just giving Adam this command, he's giving Adam and Eve this command because marriage is about teamwork, Marriage is not an individual man and an individual woman rooming together for 40 to 50 years and doing their own thing. Your marriage is a team. Your marriage is a team, and when the team works together, the team can accomplish more. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good indeed. Evening came, and then morning, the sixth day. This is God's desire. Now, let me also move along and say that God's desire, if I could just encapsulate it, you might wanna write this down or take out your phone and get a screenshot of this, is dominion over creation, connecting with God and each other. That's what God wants for you. That's what God has for me. It's not bad, it's good, it's not a burden, it's a blessing. This is what God wants for man and wife. He has given us dominion over creation. That doesn't mean that we get to trash creation. That doesn't mean that we can do whatever we wanna do with creation. It means that we steward it. It means that we care for it. It means that we do what we can to be good stewards. But God also wants us connecting with him and connecting with each other. Married people connect in marriage with their spouse, but if you're single, you get to connect too. You're a part of the church. You connect with friends. You have a spiritual family. So this is not just for married people. Every one of us has the ability to connect with God and with each other, and all of us have been given the mandate and the blessing of having dominion over creation. So God had a desire. Don't just think that your marriage is random. Your marriage was not invented by the government. The government can define and redefine and undefine marriage in any way it wants to, and that's happening in America right now. Read an article this week. There was a state that literally just legalized polyamory and polygamy, all right? Polyamory, which means 14 of us can all get married in one big marriage, and polygamy, which means I can have four wives. By the way, why would a man want that? Can I just ask, why would a man 
One is enough, pastor. One is enough. You're all I can handle, girl. Woo. And I love handling you. No, hey, hey. What? I didn't, whoa. Hey, Holy Ghost. Okay. Let's move on. Let's talk about God's design. I love y'all. I love this church. Y'all are my people. Let's talk about God's design for a minute. What is God's design then? Okay, God had a desire. He wants us to connect with each other. He wants us to connect with himself. He wants us to have dominion over creation. Marriage was his desire. But then what is God's design? Let's look at the scripture and see what Genesis chapter one, or excuse me, Genesis chapter two has to say about God's design. Because here's what I know. Every time I drive down the road and I see a Tesla, I know a couple of things. Number one, I want one. <laughs> and number two, a really smart guy designed that Tesla and knows everything about it, right? I have an iPhone because I'm a Christian. <laughs> Some of you have a Samsung device and we're praying for you. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just joking. There was a design that went into this and if Steve Jobs could come back from the dead, he would know everything about how your Apple product works because no one knows the product better than the designer. Nobody knows us better than God because God had a design in mind when he had a desire for marriage. Genesis 2, this is Adam after Eve is taken from his rib. God creates a wife. The man said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, and they felt no shame. I want you to understand, too, that before the fall, before the first sin was committed, before Adam and Eve ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and had their eyes open to sin, before they rebelled against God and were deceived by the serpent, God had made a man and a woman for each other. God had, and I'm not, I don't wanna get technical here, but God had even given them the anatomy, the physical anatomy in their bodies to procreate human life, to continue populating the planet and they were naked and they felt no shame. Isn't it amazing how now, rightly so, we cover our bodies in public because we don't want to be embarrassed. But before the fall, there was no shame between a man and a woman. They were literally unclothed, completely vulnerable to each other. And that's not as much about sex as it is about vulnerability and trust and connection and intimacy. And they felt no shame. So let me tell you what God's design was. It was simply this, man and woman becoming one. That's God's design. Man and woman becoming one. Even with X and O chromosomes, even with very different perspectives, this is God's design, that a man and a woman become one. Sounds easy, right? How many of you married people would say, it's been easy for me. Can I see the hands of all the liars in the house? <laughs> Any campus wanna, 
confess you're a liar? Been easy for us. Man, come on, somebody. Can we just for the next 12 minutes and 11 seconds, and I'm finishing on time, because I'm a pro, I try my best. I don't know if Pastor Benji finishes on time or not. I'm not gonna ask, but I'm just gonna tell you right now, I might go long, you never know. This is easier said than done. Can I make a few statements? Marriage is hard. Marriage is hard. I heard about the, uh, the young adult crowd that likes to come to this gathering at a lot of your campuses, and I know we got a lot of single folks in the room. Can I just tell you, marriage is so wonderful and marriage is so hard. It's the hardest thing you'll ever love. It really is. Marriage is hard. Do you know why marriage is hard? Well, let's just talk about some of the reasons that marriage is hard. If you're with your spouse, look at them. That's the reason marriage is hard. <laughs> right? And then take out your phone and put it in selfie mode. That's the other reason marriage is hard. It's hard. You know, man, becoming one flesh, is that even possible? Like, what is that about? How do you become one flesh? It's not like a skin graft or an organ transplant. No, because a brain transplant would be a lot easier. You know why it's so hard? Because you've got two independent, individualistic, stubborn, convinced, hard-headed, my way or the highway people who decide I'm gonna lay down my individuality and I'm gonna pick up yours. And I'm gonna learn you and you're gonna learn me and we're gonna fight like cats and dogs and the fur is gonna fly. And sometimes I'm gonna be right and sometimes you're gonna be wrong. And that's just how it's gonna be. We go into marriage with all these expectations and all of these dreams and women, you think he's gonna always treat you like a princess because you've always wanted a knight in shining armor that will put on the slipper for you. And now he doesn't even notice when you get a haircut. <laughs> Men, you got married and what you thought was, we're gonna have sex all the time, anytime, every time. I'm gonna get out of the shower and my wife's gonna be brushing her teeth and I'm gonna dry off and put a towel around my waist and I'm gonna walk up to her and I'm gonna stand behind her in the mirror and I'm gonna bow up and she is going to rip that towel off and we're just gonna enjoy, and your wife doesn't even look at you anymore when you walk up to the sink because she knows you're about to do some goofy, stupid dance. And what I've learned in my marriage is the only person in my marriage who is turned on when I flex in the mirror is me. She don't care. Now, I'm being funny, but you know it's real. You know this is how it works. Marriage is hard. I'm gonna tell you another reason why marriage is hard. Kids, kids, they come out of the womb like this. Give me, I need, I need milk, I need food, I need money, I need more money, I need to go to college, I need a car, I need more shoes. The other day, Joseph came up to me, he said, Daddy, can we order some, um, some shoes on the internet, can we get some shoes off of, uh, off? I need, I need your credit card to get some shoes. I'm like, son, you've got shoes. He said, I haven't had any shoes in six months, daddy. I said, why, why do you need more shoes? He goes, because I'm 14, I'm growing. I'm like, oh yeah, that's right. He grew seven inches last year. Marriage is hard. Can I tell you another reason why marriage is hard? This is the real reason. I mean, I could go on and on and on, but let me tell you why marriage is hard. Because marriage is holy. That's why. 
I mean, we can talk on the surface all day long about why marriage is hard, but the real reason it's hard is because it's holy. Things that have value must be protected. Things that have value are the things that thieves want to steal. Nothing is more valuable than your marriage. That's why every demon in hell is after you. Your marriage is valuable, so you need to protect it. That's why it's so hard. If you wanna go see the Declaration of Independence or the Constitution of the United States or the crown jewels of the Queen of England or the Hope Diamond, if you wanna go see anything of value, you have got to go through layers and layers and layers of security and protection to even get a glimpse at it. Our marriages are on display. Our marriages are for public display. Our marriages without God's protection are open game for the enemy because he knows how holy your marriage is. Your marriage is the clearest presentation of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people around you that you will ever portray. Because marriage says, I can't do this on my own, I need God to help me. I'm not good enough to satisfy her for a lifetime. I'm not good enough to make him happy forever. I can't do that, only God can. Marriage is a mystery, Paul says this in Ephesians 5. Marriage is a mystery that points to Jesus and the church. Jesus calls us, the church, his bride. Jesus never took a physical wife when he was alive on earth. That's why I always like to elevate single people to tell you that Jesus was single and Paul was single. So if you're single, you're in good company in the kingdom of God, okay? So Satan knows that our marriages are a reflection of the power of the gospel to take two sinful people and help them die to themselves and come alive to each other as one flesh. So Satan knows how holy your marriage is. He's trying to destroy it. Marriage is hard because marriage is holy. The word holy in Hebrew means different, unique, set apart. Your marriage is unique. Your marriage is set apart by God. Can we also say this? Marriage is messy. Oh my goodness, y'all. Marriage is so messy. One of the things that Shari and I try to do when we preach together or when we do marriage conferences, we got another one next weekend in, in uh, Winston. We'll be teaching the same material that we taught here. One of the things that we try to do is we try to be transparent about the messy seasons of our marriage. We've gone through some hard times. Shari went through postpartum depression when our first son was born. Undiagnosed for the first year. We didn't know what was going on. I went through a deep, dark depression when I lost 10 family members in 12 years, including my mom and my dad. I preached my dad's funeral on Father's Day. Marriage is messy. Your kids get colic. Your kids get the flu. You're, you're, there's only two of you and there's four of them and all four of them have a sports event at the exact same time and you haven't figured out teletransportation yet, so how are you gonna be in four places when there are only two of you? Marriage is messy. Some of y'all know what it's like to go through an economic downturn, to lose a job. Some of you know what it's like to have two mortgages. Some of you know what it's like to, to, to be unemployed, laid off. Some of you know what it's like to have someone cheat on you. Yesterday, Shari and I were eating lunch at a restaurant right around the corner, and we sat at the bar because there was a 45-minute wait to get a table, and the young lady that sat down beside us, God placed us beside her. I absolutely know it. I invited her to church today, and she shared with us the broken the deep brokenness of her marriage. I can't tell you the details, but it was one of the most gut-wrenching stories of how her trust had been betrayed by her husband. And she's just broken, it's messy. It's messy. But do you know why marriage is messy? 
Here's why marriage is so messy. Because marriage matters. It really matters. It matters to your kids. It matters to your family. But more than that, it matters to you. And it matters to God. The reason why it's so messy is because you've got two people who are in the process of transformation. And it can get messy when I don't wanna admit I'm wrong. And I don't wanna listen to her tell me. You know what my wife is? She's a reflection. She points back to me. She reflects back to me the things I'm feeling, the things I'm doing. One of my mentors taught me right after we got married, he said, so if you notice that your wife is being short with you, if she's you know, being snappy, if she's getting a little attitude, if uh, you can just tell that she's not feeling it, before you start asking her, why are you being that way toward me? He said, you just need to remember this. You're already being that way toward her. She's reflecting back to you, your attitude. You know what Shari and I have learned in our marriage? If we'll outserve each other, if we'll outlove each other, if we will try our best to understand each other instead of always demanding the other person understand us, the messiness will kind of go away. But as long as I'm over here and I'm in my corner and this is my real estate, this is my spot, you better understand me, you better know me, you better get me, it's your job to make me happy, she's gonna be a miserable wreck of a human being if I always expect her to be the source of my happiness. No human being can do that for me. Nobody can. If you're over here in the corner going, my husband better understand me. He doesn't get how I feel. He doesn't know how I was raised. I've tried to explain it. And you better understand me. You better get me. You better come my way. Your husband cannot be for you what only Jesus Christ can be for you. This is why marriage is messy. It's messy because it matters so much. And I hope that none of you right now are thinking, but I'm sure you are because I do it too. Oh no, I haven't gotten it right. I've messed up so much. Yeah, you have. But you know what? God's got more grace than you've got mess ups. God's got more patience than you've got mistakes. He is infinitely wise and he is long-suffering. And that messy marriage you're in, hey, it's a reflection of two real people who are doing the best they can to get it done by God's grace. So hang in there. Stick with it. Don't give up. Don't quit. I watched my mom take care of my dad for years before my dad died. The romance didn't look like it did when they first met in the early 1960s, but they still loved each other. I preached my mom's funeral. She died of a heart attack tragically. My dad was still alive. And I just remember those days as we planned my mom's funeral, hearing my dad talk about the decades they spent together. They would get in fights so much. My dad came from a home where his dad left when my dad was 10. So my dad grew up without a dad. My mom grew up in a home with an alcoholic father who was a World War II veteran, fought in the uh, South Pacific, he was in the Navy. And my mom and dad brought all their baggage and all of their junk and all of their messiness together. They brought it all together and you know what they did? They just laid it out. Because here's the thing about marriage, you can't hide. <laughs> Am I telling the truth? You can't hide. When you're dating, yeah, you can, you can put on the perfume and wear your best outfit and you can be all nice and sweet. And then, then the honeymoon, hey, the honeymoon's great, but you come back from the honeymoon and eventually your wife is doing the toilet paper the wrong way. Your husband's doing the toothpaste the wrong way. Eventually something happens and you're like, uh-oh, this is not perfect, this is messy. Embrace the mess. Embrace it. 
Thank God for it because all of that messiness is God's way to get you to get down on your knees. Watch me. I'm gonna show you the posture that works in marriage. You want your marriage to work? Do this a lot. God, help me love my spouse the way you love the church. Jesus, I can't do this without you. Holy Spirit, give me patience. Give me wisdom. Give me love because I can't do it in my flesh but make me one flesh with my spouse. If you'll stay on your knees, if you'll stay humble, if you'll keep your heart open to your spouse and open to God, the X and the O will come together in a beautiful symphony. You'll be one flesh and the world will know the gospel is real because they'll see it in your broken marriage that God makes beautiful. You know what I'm wondering though? It's time for me to finish preaching, but I'm an evangelist, so... I need to ask you, at all of our campuses across North Carolina, South Carolina, Columbia, even in Kenya, I just believe somebody right now is ready to give their life to Jesus. In the first uh, celebration today, just at this campus, we saw 25 people give their life to Jesus. Just at this campus. And we'll praise God for that. So I'm gonna ask you if you would, would you close your eyes, every campus, and would you open your hearts to the Holy Spirit? Just close your eyes and open your hearts to the Holy Spirit. A majority of us are saved. I would assume that most of you are born again Christians. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. But I also know that in a church this size with so many campuses, there's probably someone you felt the Holy Spirit tug your heart while I've been preaching. And it wasn't my message, it was God that did it. And maybe you've never truly given your life to Christ. Maybe you don't know if you're a Christian. You think you are, you hope you are. Maybe you're confused and you just wanna nail it down. You wanna know for sure, I am a child of God. I'm his daughter, I'm his son. And I have good news for you today. You can join the family of God today. You can be born again. You can be saved and know that you're a Christian. And here's how you do it. You simply ask. I asked Shari to be my wife in October of 1998 in Linville Gorge, North Carolina. I asked her to marry me, she said yes. If you wanna know you're saved, if you wanna know that Jesus is Lord of your life, all you have to do is ask him. He's already said yes. He said it when he died on the cross in your place to take away your sin. And he said yes when he rose from the dead to give you a brand new life and a brand new hope. He's already said yes to you. He's just waiting on you to invite him in and ask. So if you're ready to give your life to Jesus, be saved and begin your journey of salvation. Pray this to him right now, right where you sit in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. You just have to mean it. Pray this to, to Jesus right now. Jesus, I need you. Please save me right now. I give you my life. I give you my past. I give you my fears. I give you everything. I repent of my sin. I receive your salvation. I'm all yours, Jesus. And I'm all in. I love you. I want you to keep your eyes closed, please. I want you to keep your, keep your hearts open, but just keep your eyes closed. 
I wanna ask this question, and I want everyone at every location at all campuses to participate, okay? Eyes closed, I'm the only one looking, and I can only see this room. But if you just prayed that prayer to Jesus, and you invited him to save you, and you meant what you just prayed, I want you to do one thing, and I want you to do it quickly, deliberately, and without shame. If you just prayed that prayer to Jesus, would you raise your hand straight up above your head right now, and would you straighten your elbow out? Raise them up high, every campus. Okay, keep them up, please. Eyes closed, hearts open, hands up for those that just prayed. Give me a second, because I just wanna count how many people are raising their hands in in this room. This is every campus, but let me count this room. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25, 26, 27, 28, let me look in the balcony, 29, 30, 31, 32, 33, 33 people, 34, 34. You can put your hands down every campus. Open your eyes. Can, you, can we just rejoice and celebrate all the people that just crossed over from death to life? That's the greatest miracle in the world. So listen, I don't know how many people responded at your campus, but I could see 33, 34 people right here that publicly declared, I have prayed to receive Christ. So here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. The band is gonna come out and we're gonna sing one last song of victory and celebration for what God has done. But before you leave today, when you leave your campus, would you go to the New at New Hope tent, okay? It's a big tent, you can't miss it. We've got a, if you pray to receive Christ, we have a Bible for you. We wanna give you that gift. And then we've got some folks that'll just be there to connect with you, to pray with you. We're excited you just got saved, but we wanna see you become a disciple now. And we want you involved, baptized, learning, growing. So go to the New Hope Tent. It'll be right out the atrium as you leave, as you exit, you can't miss it. And somebody will be there to give you a Bible and help you take your next step as a believer. Shari and I will be hanging around here at this campus to say hello to some of you afterwards. So please go by and get that Bible if you just got Uh, if you just gave your life to Jesus. Hey, I'm gonna pray. The band's gonna lead us. Pastor Benji, Amy Lynn, thank you. Thank you, New Hope Church, for letting Shari and I be a part of your family this weekend. I'm gonna tell you right now, I'm like a stray dog. If you feed me and you treat me good, I'm coming back. So I'm just telling you, I'm coming back. Lord Jesus, (laughs) we love you, God. Thank you for the miracle of salvation and for the miracle of marriage and Satan. You've lost another multitude to the kingdom of God today. You'll never get them back. They've been bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. And we bless your name, Father. We bless your name, Son. We bless you, Holy Spirit, for who you are and what you've done. In Jesus' name, amen.